This is the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates Radio Program. I am your host, Dennis Tubergen. Glad you decided to listen in today. Hey, joining me on today's program in the second and third segments of today's program is first-time guest, Mr. Egon Von Greyerts. Egon is the founder and managing partner of Matterhorn Asset Management. I caught up with Egon this past week from his offices in Zurich. I've been a longtime follower of Egon's work. It was really a pleasure to interview him, and I know you're going to appreciate his perspective. And again, that's coming up in segments two and three of today's program. It is still March, which means if you have not yet ordered the March 2023 special report, you don't have much time left to do so. The March 2023 special report is titled Social Security Tax Reduction Strategies. The report contains um, many different Social Security tax reduction strategies. If you are currently collecting Social Security, uh, if you are planning for your retirement, if you aspire to collect Social Security and maximize your benefits from Social Security by minimizing your taxes, this report has information in it that I know you're going to find valuable. To get your copy of the report, as well as some bonus information, visit requestyourreport.com. The website, again, is requestyourreport.com. And when you visit the website, you'll just have to let me know where you would like your report mailed. And when you request the report, I'll also get you copies of a couple of my best-selling books. Uh, in keeping with the Social Security theme, I'll send you a copy of the Little Black Book on Social Security Maximization. And I'll also send you a copy of the Revenue Sourcing Book, that contains a retirement planning strategy for today's economy. So again, to get all that information absolutely free and with no further obligation, just visit requestyourreport.com. Now, certainly uh, the, the, the dominant headline is banking failures. And I want to talk about that a bit in this segment. You know, the first bank to fail Silicon Valley Bank, we have talked about on the podcast last week, just a couple days after Silicon Valley Bank became the largest bank failure since 2008 at the time of the financial crisis, state regulators closed Signature Bank in New York. Uh, that was the third largest bank failure in the country's history. So needless to say, this has been dominating the headlines, probably dominating your thoughts. You're probably wondering about your bank, and I'm going to talk about that in this segment. Now, like Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank had a lot of uninsured deposits. Now, as you all know, FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, insures bank deposits up to $250,000 per tax ID number per person. Well, when you take a look at Signature Bank, Signature Bank had $110 billion in assets, $89 billion in deposits, but $79 billion of those deposits were not insured. So these banks largely served, for the most part anyway, large depositors. Now, on the heels of the Signature Bank failure, we had headlines of Credit Suisse. Credit Suisse's shares of halted trading. Um, they needed to get a lifeline. They uh, finally were able to borrow 
$54 billion from Switzerland's central bank. Uh, so they now uh, are taking, they say, action to strengthen uh, their financial position now that they could borrow more than $50 billion to bail themselves out. And then, of course, many of you have probably heard about First Republic. First Republic needed a $20 billion bailout, and a number of other banks are stepping up to bail out First Republic. And as a side note, the Wall Street Journal reported that First Republic bank executives sold $12 million in stock just before the, the, the bank failed. So that is a bit suspect, and hopefully there are some investigators that will get to the bottom of that. So no shortage of banks having financial issues. Now, there is an interesting backstory when it comes to Signature Bank. Because after the financial crisis, there was a bill passed named after Christopher Dodd and Barney Frank called the Dodd-Frank Act. And this Dodd-Frank Act was, put, was to put in place regulations to keep bank failures from happening again. Now, Barney Frank, one of the co-authors of this legislation, the Wall Street Journal reported this past week. In fact, uh, this was reported on March 13. And I'm going to quote from the article, quote, life is full of irony, but it's hard to think of a richer one than Barney Frank sitting on the board of the failed Signature Bank. Yes, that is exactly what happened. Barney Frank was on the board of Signature Bank. Now, the journal goes on to say, quote, it's amusing to think of Mr. Frank cashing a check as a bank director. But then even left-wing former congressmen have to make a living. And in Mr. Frank's case, it's been a nice one with cash compensation of $121,750 and stock awards of $180,182 in 2022 alone. And Mr. Frank has been on the board since 2015. Now, Frank was asked about why he was on the board, and he simply said, I need to make money. He told Financial Times, quote, I need to make some money. Frank, uh, as I said, been on the board since 2015. He told Financial Times, the Financial Times, that because he declined a congressional pension, he needed the income. Now, According to an article on Zero Hedge and uh, confirmed by the Wall Street Journal, Mr. Frank made about $2.4 million while serving on Signature's board. Now, interestingly, he was a bit disappointed that regulators came in and took a hard line. Uh, This bank, Signature Bank, had been investing in crypto or had been involved in the crypto market. So certainly not a conservative posture that the bank was taking. Mr. Frank told Bloomberg, quote, I think that if we'd been allowed to open tomorrow that we could have continued. We have a solid loan book. We're the biggest lender in New York City under the low income housing tax credit. And Frank is wondering why regulators took such a a hard line. Now, the journal 
speculated that maybe the regulators decided to roll up Signature Bank because of its crypto association. Now, interestingly, here's a guy that wanted to make banking more conservative. And yet, if Mr. Frank has been on the board of Signature since 2015, at that time in 2015, you could take a look at where crypto was selling. And if you take a look, for example, just at Bitcoin in 2015, it was $250 to $300 per Bitcoin. It rose as high as $63,000 before now falling to about $20,000. Hardly a non-speculative investment. Now, I would encourage you, if you're concerned about banking, one, check your bank safety ratings. Two, diversify deposits among banks. And three, use deposits with insurance companies and money markets potentially as an alternative. Now, don't take that as advice. It's not intended as advice, but do your homework and diversify. I'll talk more about this in the next segment with my special guest today, Mr. Egon Von Greyer. you want to stay tuned for that, and I'll be back after these words. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Joining me today on the program is first-time guest, Mr. Egon Von Greyer. Egon is the founder and managing partner of Matterhorn Asset Management. I'm catching up with uh, Egon today from his offices in Zurich. And uh, Egon, I've been a longtime follower of your work. It's a pleasure to have you on the program. Welcome. Well, Dennis, very good to speak to you for the first time. Yeah, yes. So, well, yeah, a lot to talk about these days, and uh, you know, which makes your job interesting and mine too. <laughs> it certainly does. And uh, let, let's maybe start, Egon, with just uh, a little bit of background. And let me just mention to the listeners that if you'd like to learn more about uh, Egon's company and uh, what he does. You can go to goldswitzerland.com. That's goldswitzerland.com. Uh, Egon, can you tell us just a little bit about Matterhorn Asset Management? Uh, you know, what motivated you to start the company and uh, and what do you do for people? Yes. So, um, you know, at the end of the 90s, uh, 1990s, I was worried about, uh, which I often am, I'm worried about the world, but worried about the debt exploding and worried about derivatives. So, uh, and, and that was at the same time as, as uh, gold was uh, bottoming, had gone down from 850 to $250. So, uh, and I thought that this was the time to really worry about um, the, the safety of your investments uh, uh, and of the financial system. So, so we we started then um, with that for ourselves and, and the few uh, investors that we advised at the time uh, to. Um, focus on wealth preservation in the form of physical gold and silver stored outside the banking system in the name of the uh, client. So this is, we started going into gold in a major way in 2002 when it was um, $300. Um, and really we haven't turned back. Uh, and and the, obviously uh, we got the uh, the first crisis 2006-8 and, and gold rose quickly to from 300, as, as you know, to a uh, over well in the 1900, and then it's been going sideways for a while. But you know the good thing with gold is that it always goes up, of course. Uh, or or if we turn it around, paper money always goes down, uh, and that's what is really is happening uh, because gold is just stable purchasing power. And that's why we found that 
Russells, we thought it was absolutely critical uh, in in the, the coming years in, in a system which is uh, where we have bu- bubbles in, in every asset class, uh, bonds, stocks, property, uh, and, and we think there will be major corrections in all of these. And we felt that gold was the it's the best way to to insure against this and to protect your wealth. But obviously, you mustn't keep it in paper form or in, or in a system that is bankrupt. Um, and, and we've seen examples of that just in the last few days. Um, uh, so therefore, you have to have it in, in very safe vaults outside the banking system, and preferably outside your 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 um, area of, of, or your where you live, also or, or the uh, or the country where you live. So you can actually flee to your goal if things really get get bad. So that's what we started 20 years ago, and and um, you know we have clients all over the world. We have the biggest gold vault in the world, in, in a private gold vault in the world, in the Swiss Alps, which um, uh, that, that's for for clients. Smaller vaults. For normal size clients, but, but you know our, our minimum is quite high. It's four hundred thousand, four hundred thousand dollars in in the smaller vaults, and, and then a five million dollars in, in the mountain vault. So that's in a nutshell what we do, uh, Dennis. Well, you know, thank you for that explanation. Uh, you know, I uh, caught an interview you did uh, a couple of weeks ago, and during that interview, and I've, I've seen you write about this as well. You mentioned that. Two quadrillion dollars in global debt looms over our markets, and I believe that's the term that you use. First of all, a quadrillion is a number that, in my mind, is unfathomable. I can't even get my arms around how much that is, and um, that possible that it can't possibly be paid. And, and can you explain to the listeners a bit about what you mean and, and how you arrive at that number? Yes, it's really very simple. <clears throat> if we start with global debt is, is um, uh, around 300 uh, trillion today. Um, it um, just at the beginning of this century, it was just just under 100 trillion and it's gone up three times just in the last 20 years. And of course, if you go back 50 years uh, before uh, Nixon closed the gold window, of course, global global debt was just a fraction of what it is today. So we have now, for the ones who were born before 1971, we, we've experienced a period of a debt explosion that has never happened before in history uh, on a global basis, uh, which, which is what we're seeing now. You know, it's everywhere. It's not just uh, America or Europe, or but, it, but it's in or Japan. It's in every country in the world. Um, uh, and so, so that's the 300 trillion debt first, and then the derivatives. I mean, the the, the deriv- In my estimation, the derivatives outstanding are probably uh, one and a half to two quadrillion. Now, I'm saying that because about 12 years ago, the the Bank of International Settlement was the central bank of all central banks. Uh, and they reduced the outstanding derivatives just with a stroke of a pen from from 1.2 quadrillion to to um, to 600 uh, trillion. But that was just uh, that that was actually uh, f- fake accounting. Uh, the outstanding the gross outstanding figure was still 1.2 quadrillion. And since then, this was as I said over over 10 years ago. Since then, there's been a massive growth in derivatives. You know, every single transaction today uh, has uh, elements of derivatives or, or all derivatives in them. And, and a lot of lending 
is taking place uh, through the shadow banking system also um, in the derivative market. Um, so therefore, I'm saying that these derivatives are going to, um, and they're also very interest sensitive, and, and therefore they're under a lot of pressure uh, now because of the higher interest rates, uh, which have, haven't been really uh, taken into the risk calculations. So uh, my, 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 therefore, uh, the outstanding derivatives is, is, as I said, one and a half to two quadrillion. And I think just like we saw now a, a number of banks having to be saved uh, by, by, well, it was really by, by, by the, FT, uh, the FDIC or, the, or with Fed's intervention uh, and Bank of England in, in England also. Uh, but just like they had to be saved, although it wasn't a, a formal bailout, but in the end it would become a bailout anyway because FDIC has not the money. Uh, so, um, and the same will happen with the derivatives. Um, they will fail when counterparty fails um, uh, and then the, those derivatives will fail uh, and therefore somebody has to step in. And what I'm saying is that these derivatives will actually turn into debt and central banks will have to step in to buy this debt or, or, or to support the banks that, that, are, that will be failing otherwise. You know, you, you know the, the, the big U.S. banks, they all have, you know, they report, if you take J.P. Morgan, it's the biggest with over 50 50 trillion of derivatives. Um, and I think that will actually turn into debt. And this is how the, the, the 300 trillion becomes over to, to, to quadrillion in coming years. I'm quite convinced that that's going to happen. And of course, at the same time, then the, the, what central banks will do around the world, they're working on it now, they will turn, turn uh, the money, that our paper fiat money system now, they will turn that into some digital money They'll try to pretend that they can park the, the old debt somewhere else, and now we have new money. And then at the same time, of course, this digital money is wonderful for every government because they can then control us totally with all the spending and what we do and finance and the, uh, you know, the taxes, etc. And so that's what uh, risk is that we'll see in the in, in the next few years. And as I said, that's how how the de the, the debt will totally explode. And of course. If we if we get to that level of money printing, and I think there's a high risk, we will. Of course, there, ha there will be inflation or, or hyperinflation also. There has to be. You can't print that much money without creating inflation. So it, it's a pr pretty dire prospect that, that we're looking at. But you know, I'm not a prophet of gloom and doom. I'm an optimist actually. But but you know, the, the but I, I my my speciality, if you want, what I'm interested in is understanding risk. And in my view, the risk is higher today than it's ever been uh, in history. Um, and therefore, you want to protect against that, that risk. I hope I'll be wrong. I doubt I will be, but, but I hope I will be. Um, uh, in any case, you know, I'm going to take investors uh, or, or, people, or people who just have money in the bank. They've got to now start thinking about taking protection because, as we've just experienced, um, you know, those banks are not safe. Now, the first little banks... Uh, and they're not that small, but um, um, the, the, the Silicon Valley Bank and the, the uh, Silvergate Bank, I mean, they, they could be saved by the system. But once it starts you know, with bigger banks, and we know that uh, most banks are under pressure, uh, and some are under more pressure, like Credit Suisse in, in, in Switzerland, for example. Um, and when that pressure mounts, you know, and we, we get a chain reaction, they're not going to be able to save the system. Uh, or if they do, they'll print so much money that the money will be worthless. 
And that's the risk we have. Uh, and that's why investors should be very careful and not keep any major money in the bank, in my view. Much better to hold gold than keep it outside the banking system. Well, I'm chatting today with Mr. Egon von Greyers. He is the founder and managing partner of Matterhorn Asset Management. You can learn more at goldswitzerland.com. And Egon, we've got just two minutes left in this segment. You mentioned um, a central bank issued digital currency, and, and you mentioned that, it, it, you know, in my view, the reason politicians want it is obvious. It's, it's control. Uh, but, but do you see that actually becoming a reality? Do you think they're going to be successful? No, I think it will fail. But, of course, uh, digital currency is just another form of fiat money. So it, 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 will, it will totally fail. Uh, they will try it. My, my view is actually that they might not even have time to, to do it properly because although they're working on it, uh, it it's, uh, it's going to take much longer to implement than anybody thinks. Uh, and therefore, you know, we'll have some kind of half measure coming up in, in, in the next few years. But I, I think this, the system will overwhelm them uh, and the collapse of the system. Uh, and therefore, I think digital money will not get an orderly start. Uh, and, you know, so therefore, you know, the, everybody talks about resets and they're going to be reset. Nobody knows. Everybody defines reset uh, differently. My, in my view, the only reset that's going to count is the disorderly re reset. Uh, that's what we're going to have um, when there will be panic and when there are people will lose money within the system. Uh, uh, and uh, we have to have a cleansing of, of the financial system. The world cannot continue to grow soundly uh, with, with a system uh, full of massive bubbles and, and fake money um, and fake promises. So that's sadly what we're going to see in, in, in the next few years. Well, the clock says we have to leave it there. I'm chatting today again with Mr. Egon von Greyers, the founder and managing partner of Matterhorn Asset Management. I'll continue my conversation with Egon when RLA Radio returns. Stay with us. You are listening to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. I have the pleasure of chatting today with first-time guest here on the program, Mr. Egon von Greyers. He is the founder and managing partner of Matterhorn Asset Management. I've been a longtime follower of Egon's work, and it's a pleasure to chat with him. And uh, Egon, uh, you had mentioned in the first segment that all this currency creation by central banks uh, has created huge bubbles in asset markets. Uh, can, can you just talk a little bit about how overvalued you think these markets are? Maybe just talk about stocks and real estate to start. Well, sadly, uh, you know, the, the investing has just been too easy in the last few decades, and, and especially in the last uh, <clears throat> 20 years, um, uh, because of the massive amount of credit creation and, and money printing uh, that uh, you know, central bank, banks have, have produced around the world. Uh, and as we know, uh, until very recently now, uh, when... when uh, Every central bank worked on getting, and especially the Fed, of course, and the um, ECB in uh, Europe, they all worked on getting inflation up to 2%. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then um, overnight, it went from 2% to 10% you know, in Europe and 8%, and 9% in, in the US. Now, 
now uh, artificially the US one has come down a bit, but in in inflation is on it's going to continue up. And I I think you know I experienced it in the 1970s in the UK when when we had inflation average 17% for for eight nine years, and I think we're in for a period of high inflation, high in interest rates now. Um, uh, but anyway, it's this coming back. So, so we've had this this money printing that has created uh, these massive uh, bubbles because all that money, all the money that was pre printed by the central banks, or, or or also of course commercial banks, do most of the money printing by by extending credit and, and by, by blowing up their balance sheets. Uh, uh, and all that money went into um, to investment assets. Uh, and not in, not into the the the, the consumer economy, and therefore inflation uh, rates for, for the way that we measure inflation in the West, and of course that that was falsely manipulated or changed um, in in the uh, 1980s. But the way we measure it now, of course, uh, there has been no consumer inflation, and it was below two percent everywhere, and all of a sudden. You know, the, the the result of this massive money printing uh, then turned into inflation in the last couple of years. But anyway, so that went into assets, and that's why assets just went up and up and up. And, you know, the, any, the, the, the last the generation has been investing for the last 20, 30 years. They don't understand anything else, but that market, asset markets always go up, of course, uh, because of the very friendly central banks uh, we have around the world. Uh, but um, so, so that's why we have created bubbles. In my view, you know, when markets correct, they always correct more than they should. And I, I think we will have. I wouldn't be surprised to see a correction in the stock market, which was as big as in, in 29 to, to 32, uh, which was 90% for the Dow Jones. Um, you know, if, if and then I mean, the, the, the circumstances were nowhere near as severe as they are today. Uh, with debts and, and bank, uh, banking system, et cetera, and money printing. So uh, that's why it, it would be totally normal, uh, in my view, to see a 90% correction there. And this because of all this debt that, that is backing it. Uh, the same uh, in, in the property market. I, I see property coming down by 75 to 90% also. And the biggest bubble of all is, of course, the, the bond market. Uh, and, uh, you know, that was the... Uh, also, the, the, the banking crisis we saw now in Silicon Valley in the last few days, um, that actually also uh, was because of the bond market. You know, you take, I know you're a pension specialist, you, know, you take these banks that got, they got the money from these Silicon Valley companies, uh, the, the funds that they raised, and the bank puts it into long-term uh, uh, bonds and, and government bonds. I mean, that is the most foolish investment that anyone could ever do. You know, first of all, government is never going to pay back the bonds ever with normal money. The only way they can put, pay that back is with, with uh, printed money. Uh, and if, if those bonds run for, for five or ten or, or years or longer, uh, and, and um, you know, that money is going to be worth nothing that they're going to pay in, in ten years' time uh, because in, in inflation... Uh, or currency, or or debasement of the money will will totally kill um, uh, the value of that money. Um, so therefore, and then you know to buy long-term debt, and when it rates are are just one um, two percent to three percent, 
I mean, it's just as ridiculous. It's, it's criminal. Um, but people don't understand that, you know, this, these low rates were just totally artificial, orchestrated, orchestrated by, by the central banks. Uh, so that's why, as I said, um, all this money went into the, those assets. And these assets are not going to correct now. Bonds, property uh, 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 and stocks, but they're all, you know, 90 percent, uh, 75 to 90 percent of it. And a lot of the bonds will be worthless, of course. Like bonds always become worthless at the end. Um, and, and when, when, you know, and they have been back, backing the, uh, the assets and therefore the assets that were backed by all this debt will also come down. So we need this correction. Um, that's the only way uh, from which the, the world again can grow um, soundly. And, and that has to be done. Um, and in the meantime, the world will suffer for a number of years, uh, but, uh, but then we'll come out on the other side stronger. But the transition will be horrible for the world, for all of us, of course. Egon, uh, let me zero in on, on your specialty. Let's talk a little bit about gold and uh, understanding really that, uh, you know, pricing gold in fiat currency is uh, a, a bit misleading, but, but just talk a little bit about uh, where you see gold going um, and, and the best way to own gold for our listeners that uh, have interest. Well, yeah, it's a good question, Dennis. And what most people don't understand is that Gold is the only money that has ever survived in history. Uh, in, in, in every period of history, going back thousands of years, each single currency always went to zero, uh, without exception. There's no money today that exists in, 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 its, uh, in, 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 its, in the form, form that was originally created that has survived. So that's why it's so simple. If you know that, you know that the money you put in the bank in five years' time, on 10 years' time, or, 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 if you, or, or longer, you know that that's going to be worth just a fraction of what it is. So if, you, if we measure money in, in gold, you take the dollar, uh, uh, but it's the same with all currencies. Since 1971, all currencies have declined between 97 and 99% in stable purchasing terms, which is what gold reflects. Uh, so, so, so that, imagine if, if you put a, a dollar today, a seventy-one dollar is today, today worth two cents. Uh, then, and if people understand that, and that's happening all the time with every currency throughout every period of history. I'm obviously talking about the longer term. It'll be shorter term. You can have fluctuations, but long term. That, that's why. But banks don't like gold because they don't make any money on it. Uh, asset management, asset managers don't like gold either because they like to churn commission and trade, uh, uh, and therefore nobody recommends gold. But if you think about it, if you actually want to preserve your wealth, you don't, you know, and that, and that's most people don't. I'm not talking about, you know, in real purchasing terms. That all you need to do is to buy gold and hold gold for the longer term, not for speculation. You don't ever buy gold for speculation. You don't buy it to sell it in, in, in a month or two months time. You buy it, you put it aside, you forget what, you, you know, you measure it in ounces or grams or kilos uh, and not in dollars or, or euros or yen. Um, uh, and then you know that over time, you will always do better than, than any paper money and most other assets also, uh, because, uh, because, and especially uh, because now, 
you're going to see uh, all these bubblers. Sometimes, of course, stocks do very well and property do well, as it has done now. But that period is finished. Uh, and we're going to see these big corrections. And that's why now, I mean, I, you know, it's not, I tell people, please, please, not for, not for our sake. And you, you buy it wherever you want, but please own some gold and keep it as insurance. Imagine if the Venezuelans have done that 20 years ago. They would have been, you know, they would have had money for the rest of their lives if they'd done it, even if they had just saved a little bit, or the Argentinians, or, or you know, all the other people who've, who've gone through hyperinflationary periods. You know, it's only then people realize how important it is to protect your money and to own gold. I've got so many people coming to me having been through hyperinflationary periods, like in the former Yugoslavia, for example. They said, you know, tell, you, tell your clients, tell everyone they have to own gold because all of my friends didn't in Yugoslavia and they lost all of their money. Um, but sadly, people think that uh, trees grow to, to heaven and, and, and therefore they're going to make money. The stock market will always come back and, and it only goes up the property market too. That's not going to happen now. And therefore, people, the people who don't protect themselves now are going to have real problems in coming years, sadly. Egan, we have time for one more question here. Uh, can you address confiscation risk. I'm thinking back uh, to some of my history studies and here in the United States in 1933, then President Franklin Roosevelt made it illegal for American citizens to own gold. Do you think that's a possibility? And uh, if so, how would one go about protecting themselves from that risk? Well, it's always possible, um, but I, it's a very archaic method of confiscating money uh, in my view. You know, the, the, the governments have a most wonderful way of confiscating money. Well, one is through inflation, of course, uh, and, and, and i.e. the value of the money goes down all the time. But, but, but secondly, um, the, the, the best way is taxation. Uh, uh, and rather, rather than, you remember, gold in, in, in 1933 was only, uh, wasn't actually, it was only, confiscated or, 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 or people were not even, that wasn't even confiscated, but it was actually people were, for, were for, Americans were forced to sell it back to the government uh, at around $21, just under $21. Uh, and then after that, because uh, the US government needed to devalue its currency and the gold was backing the currency. And therefore the only way to devalue the currency is, is to revalue gold uh, when you have official gold backing of the currency. So that's what happened, and then gold was revalued to 35, and, and the dollar obviously then uh, devalued. Uh, but but I don't think that, that now now gold is backing no currency at all. So I don't think that's the way they would do it. Uh, instead, they will actually uh, do it through taxation. You know, people have to remember now that every government around the world is running bigger deficits, and they're going to be even bigger because when all the, the all these bad debts materialize and and governments and central banks have to support all of this debt. So therefore, uh, they are going to increase taxes. Um, and that's the way to, to confiscate money. Uh, so taxes is what people should worry about. So tax planning is just as important uh, as investment planning. And, and obviously anyone who, of course, for normal, normal people, wage earners, they can't really do anything about their taxes. But for anybody who has um, uh, the, the, the ability to actually do something about or, or t plan the taxes better, I, I think 
um, that th- th- they should do because that's what government's going to do. You know, we're the, the low taxes we've had now; they're not going to last. Uh, so, you know, it'll be, it'll be we'll have very tough times in coming years. I mean, I, I always say, you know, people, some people listen to me and say, well, he's, you know, he's the prophet of doom and gloom. I, but I don't see it that way. I'm all I'm doing is just judging the the risk in the world and just telling people try to protect against the risk by holding the the only money that's ever survived in history, and and uh, and and that's really. And then I always say to people also remember that the best things in life are free. That's uh, you know fr- fr- friends, uh, uh, family, nature, music, books, etc. That's really, you know, in, in bad times, all of those things are much more important than money, although you need, of course, money to uh, enough to eat and, and, and have a roof over your head. But except for that, all of those other values are, are much more important. We've been too focused on money for, for in the last 50 years or so um, and, and, uh, and on the golden calf. Uh, and uh, I think that these other values are, are so important. People mustn't forget that. Well, that's a terrific sentiment on which to end. I uh, couldn't agree more. Uh, my guest today has been Mr. Egon von Greyerts. He is a founder and managing partner of Matterhorn Asset Management. You can learn more at goldswitzerland.com. Egon, it's been a sincere pleasure to chat with you today. Appreciate you sharing your perspective with our listeners, and I'd love to have you back down the road. That is very good to talk to you. Thank you for having me on your show, and I'd love to be back. Thank you. We will return after these words. This is Dennis Tubergen, your host. You are listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates Radio Program. Thanks again to my special guest today, Mr. Egon Von Greyers, for joining me on today's program. You know, in this segment, I want to talk about taxes. And uh, Egon, at the close of the last segment, talked about the importance, in his view, of doing tax planning. Well, if you dig into Biden's budget proposal for fiscal year 2024, you find not only is Mr. Biden proposing a $6.8 trillion budget, which is an almost unfathomable unfathomable amount of spending for a year, but there's also nearly $4.7 trillion in new tax hikes being proposed. That's according to Americans for Tax Reform, and I'm going to talk about that in this segment. Before I do, if you are just tuning in, I have a March special report available for you. The March special report is titled Social Security Tax Reduction Strategies. To get your copy of the report, all you need to do is visit requestyourreport.com. The website, again, is requestyourreport.com. So this 2024 budget, which will likely not pass, in my view, in its current form, has $4.7 trillion in new taxes. Well, the first big item is that Biden is calling for a top federal tax rate of about 45%. Now, that would be the highest since 1983. So you've got to go back 37 years to find a tax rate that high. Now, Biden is also proposing that capital gains taxes will go up. In fact, if he gets his way, we will have the highest capital gains since 1978. 
I should say the highest capital gains tax since 1978. Americans uh, for tax reform point out that Biden's plan nearly doubles the capital gains tax rate for investment to 39.6% up from the maximum now of 20%. So if you take a look at the combined capital gain tax rate, the Obamacare tax, and add state taxes on top of it, you would see a number of states where you would have capital gains taxes approaching 50% of the gain. Corporate taxes would go from 21 to 28%. Communist China, just for reference, has a 25% tax rate. That's again a federal tax. If you add in state taxes, the corporate tax rate now goes to 32%. There is another rather controversial proposal. Biden is calling for a 20% minimum tax on the unrealized gains of individuals with income and assets that exceed 100 million. Now it may start there, but mark my words, if it passes, that threshold will decline over time. The income tax, when it actually became a reality in 1913, if you adjust for inflation, the income tax would have only affected those making more than $12 million a year in today's dollars. Now, just about everybody pays income taxes, and if you work, you certainly pay Social Security and Medicare tax. I believe capital gains taxes should only be sold when an asset is sold. Now, Biden is also calling for new taxes on oil and gas, totaling $31 billion, and he's proposing raising the Medicare tax from the current 3.8% to 5% for some taxpayers. There's also proposals for a retirement tax capping the amount of money you can have in a retirement account. So this whole proposal is filled with a lot of crazy things. So if you've not yet requested the special report for March, which is titled Social Security Tax Reduction Strategies, that's a great place to start. And when you request that report, I'll also send you a copy of the Little Black Book on Social Security Maximization. And I'll also send you a copy of the revenue sourcing book that contains some tax planning strategies as well. To get that report, visit requestyourreport.com. That's all the time I have for this week. I will be back again next week. Have a great week.